you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open it up to Ephesians chapter 6. We are in the very last part of Ephesians chapter 6. Do you guys know what that means? That means tonight is the last night of our series of Ephesians. It took us 18 weeks, but we are finished after I say amen tonight. Just kidding. No, we're going to restart it. We're going to do a whole different one on this. No, I'm just kidding. Right? With all, seriously, with everything in Ephesians, I could do a whole other sermon series and never preach on the same thing. Probably. I get to that deep. All right. So, just to recap, in case this is your first time here, you don't know anything about Ephesians. Ephesians was a letter. I'm about to tell you right now, Reese. Ephesians was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in a city called Ephesus. It was an ancient city. And Paul, he was writing to a group of Christians on how to live as a Christian in a world, well, that is not happening, right? Does anybody know what that feels like? Like you are a Christian, but everyone around you does, it seems like it's not. Just me. And I work at a church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I can. I kid, I kid. I went, to, I went to school too. So basically, Paul is saying that in our sins, like when we are in our sins or our life before we are in our sins, we are dead. But God in his mercy, he made us alive. We are saved by grace through faith, not by our actions, just by our faith in God. And we are to live our lives worthy of the calling that we have received. And then be asking, okay, what is that calling? That calling is to continually fall on the mercy of Jesus every night and every day and allow his Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out to help us take off our old life and to put on the new life. That is what we were made for. We were made to be in that new life, to be recreated in Jesus' likeness. It's that verse that we read before. It's the verse that's on uh, Garrett Shore right now. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. Like that's why we are created, to be holy and blameless. And we can't do that by ourselves. That only happens by being created in the image of Jesus. And so our lives as Jesus followers should look differently once we choose to follow him. Now we are one people group. And so as a Jesus follower, as a, as a Christians, we can now put away our differences and our disagreements, and we can come together in unity because we have now have a common purpose. And this is all throughout chapter 4. Like instead of, like, we don't lie, we don't cheat, we don't steal, we, um, our words are encouraging. Um, and then he says we walk in the light. Our lives, how we think and how we speak, how we act, because we are made new, they now look like Jesus. But living a life that pleases God, like what Paul tells us to do, live worthy of your calling. Actually doing that is hard because we have a very real spiritual enemy that is opposing everything that we do for Jesus and his kingdom. And he's trying to get us to act on the flesh that we have that's inside of us. So it's not that easy, to, especially whenever we try to do it ourselves. And so, Paul, that's what we talked about last week, that there's a very real spiritual enemy that strategizes in, uh, to try to attack us. So, Paul, he says that, that to get over that, that in order to get over these attacks, that we have to put on the full armor of God so that at the end of the day that we can stand. That's what we talked about last week. You can listen to all these on the podcast if you miss any of these. All these lead into the next so we're going to ask, okay, now, Paul, what is that full armor? 
He says, put on that full armor of God so that you can stand against the attacks of the enemy. And the attacks of the enemy are there to keep you from living the life God, that God has called you. So what is the armor? Like, what does it mean to put that on? Paul, he tells us how in Ephesians 14, or 6.14. He says, stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance in intercession for the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth and make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this is for this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. What Paul here is describing is Jesus. Because Jesus, he is truth, he is righteousness, he is the good news of peace, he is faith, he is salvation, he is the word of God, this is Jesus. And there's so much more that we can get into that Paul is actually alluding to on how this is Jesus. He refers a lot to the Old Testament, but we don't have time for that tonight. But these words, they characterize Jesus' life. He is those things. And so because we are being made new in Jesus, these words, these pieces of armor should also characterize our lives because of Jesus. They should characterize our lives by being transformed more like him. So let's dive into each piece of that armor. What does it mean to put on truth? What does it mean to put on um, righteousness? All that kind of stuff. So the first thing that Paul says to do, he says, put on truth. He says, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. And all these pieces of armor, by the way, um, a lot of people think they were referring to like the Roman armor that the Roman army would use because at this time everyone knew what a Roman soldier looked like because they were the ones in charge. They were the ones that were conquering them. Um, But this also has a lot to do with the Messiah that the Old Testament prophesies about in Isaiah. But he says, put on belt or put on truth like a belt. So truth, let's just get that out of the way. Truth is reality or that which corresponds to reality. Like truth is what you can rely on as real. That's, that light is not truth. That's all right. No, 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 no. So actually, something just got unplugged up there. So, Adjo, if you can just flip the breakers and just turn off those lights altogether. So, but you can keep on these bright lights right here. No, you can keep that one on. Everything else can go off. So, yeah, that bottom one you can turn back on. That's right. All right. So, we're just going to do this in the dark. Good good thing I got my notes are bright. We can have a disco party afterwards. I don't know. You all, yep. All of those. Yeah, you can just turn them all off. There you go. Now they're good. Sweet. All right. So truth. Truth is reality or that which corresponds with reality. So whenever we believe the truth, that means that we are walking in the reality where we can flourish and thrive. We are actually going the way where we find true life and happiness. But whenever we believe lies, that which is not truth, which are ideas that are not lined up with reality that God made, we struggle to thrive. That's why that's important. When we live in truth, 
then we thrive. When we live in lies, we're going against the way God designed, and that leads to life, or life of death and pain and loneliness. That's where that leads. It is only whenever we come face to face with the reality that God designed that we can find true peace. But you might be asking, like, what does this have to do with spiritual warfare? It's because Jesus, he said in Ephesians, or in John, he says, the thief only comes to kill still and to destroy. He only came to offer a life that is not lined up with God. But when you think about it, like when you think about temptation, you think about how the devil does it. The devil can't make you do anything. Like he doesn't come inside of a Christian and, and make you do bad things. Instead, he gets us to believe a lie that is already corresponding with the way that our flesh wants to go. And when we believe that lie, we act on that. And that is how we fall into temptation. He, he makes us go away other than the way of Jesus, thinking that that way would lead to happiness. But in the end, it leads to death and it leads to unhappiness. And the way he does that is through illusions. It's to believe a lie. It's a, about reality. It's to believe a lie about who God is. It's to believe a lie about what God wants for you. He does that through lies. And so lies lead to temptation. Temptation leads slavery to sin, and sin leads to death. And the only thing that will set you free is truth. Jesus says that if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Or if you believe the truth, the truth will set you free. And Jesus, he said in John again, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what Jesus is saying there is that to put on truth like a belt, he says, I am the truth. The truth is me. I, I am the truth. The truth is the gospel. The truth is your new identity in Jesus whenever you enter into his kingdom. The truth is you believing that your old life is now gone, and now you have a brand new life. And so now you don't have to go back to that old life anymore. That's what he's talking about with truth. And the second thing that Paul talks about, righteousness, that leads right after truth. It leads right in. He says, put on righteousness like armor on your chest. This now describes your new identity. Righteousness, it, it talks about like your right standing before God. That is now who you are. We can now stand before God because righteousness is now part of our identity. Before we give our lives to Jesus, we're ne we were never able to get into God's presence. There's a lot to that, but we can never stand there. But because of Jesus' death and resurrection, his righteousness now become ours. Not because that we are good enough, but because he was good enough. And now when we put our faith and trust in him, when God looks down and sees us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. And so this new life we put on, it's Jesus's that he gives us to put on. It's kind of like, you know, you just got through a tire wars at church camp and your shirt is ripped and muddy. You're like, I don't have anything to put on. And Jesus walks up and he's like, here, take mine. I got extras, right? It's not yours, but you're putting it on and now it's holy and clean and now you're totally clean. Okay, that, that was not the right illustration for that. Yes. It's holy because it was Jesus's with an H, not a W. <laughs> okay, never mind. So the new life we put on is Jesus's. So righteousness is a future thing, meaning that whenever in the end times, whenever God looks and sees us, that we are now saved from judgment. But it is also a description of your life here right now. Like when you give your life to Jesus, righteousness now should characterize your life.
And that's what Paul said to us in Ephesians 4.24. When we're talking about taking off that old life and putting on the new life, he says, and put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of truth. That's the new life we put on. That's what we've been talking about through this whole series of taking off the old life and putting on the new. The new is created in righteousness, in purity of truth. And having God's righteousness, it leads to a life that is lived in holiness. So continuing to sin and forgetting God's call to purity in our lives, that makes you more vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. The third thing that Paul talks about is the gospel of peace. He says, in your feet, sandaled with the readiness of the gospel of peace. This refers to our readiness to tell others about the good news of Jesus. In this, Paul here, he was referring to a different passage in the Old Testament that Paul talks about in Romans um, chapter 10. But the main thing, or the main calling of Jesus' followers is to tell others about the good news of Jesus about what he did in your life, the peace that he can bring to your friends or your family's lives, and how he changed you. That's our main calling as Jesus followers. It's to become more like Jesus in every way, in the way that we act, think, and the way that we respond to people. But our second main calling is to tell others about what Jesus did for us and what he can do for those as well. We're supposed to be prepared for this. He says, "With um, sandal, put on your sandals with the readiness of the gospel of peace." And now that doesn't mean you have to be ready to preach a sermon, or you don't you, like every single one of us now has to be a pastor. But it does mean that you understand like who is Jesus, why did he come, how does this affect me, how does this affect you, and what does Jesus want us to do? Like that's what it means to be ready with the gospel of peace. That now there is peace between us and God. And basically what we're supposed to be ready to say and what we're ready to understand is that unbelievers are dead in their sins and they are a slave in their sins. And this life leads to separation from God. It leads to everything that you're not looking for. The things you think you're looking for in the parties, in the gossip, in the friends, in the fun and all that, it leads to death. It leads to separation from God. But, it, but because of what Jesus did for us, we can now enter the life that God has for us. That is actually what we're all looking for. The heart of the salvation message of the gospel is the good news that Jesus came to be our peace He came to give us peace between us and God. He came to bridge that gap that now we're no longer separated from God, but now we can be with him. Spreading this message is also the most, like this has to do spiritual warfare, because spreading this message is the most effective thing that we can do to take the attack to the enemy. Like this is the most offensive thing that we can do to the enemy. Like we think that spiritual warfare is all about just how do we survive the attack But this is how do you take back ground the enemy is trying to take from you. The enemy, he doesn't want more people to know about Jesus. So the more people we tell about Jesus, the less he has. This is a message that everybody needs to hear and that everybody will have to answer to at some point in their life. The fourth thing that Paul says that we put on is faith. He says, in every situation, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Like, I just like the way that sounds. Or the, like the imagery they have in my mind is like just literally like arrows on fire coming at you from someone that's evil. Like, that sounds like a medieval movie or something, right? 
Faith is trusting in God's power, and it is his assurance about our new identity in Jesus. So a shield was one of the most important pieces of armor in the Roman like, military. Like, it was one of the most important things. Like You needed to have a shield, and then you needed to have a sword. Like If you could only have one, everyone would always pick the shield because the main way the enemy is attacked was through arrows. And so these shields, I just learned this the other day, and I'm excited to tell you all about it. These shields were the size of a door. Like, Could you believe like, how big that is? Like a huge wooden door. And the outsides were covered in iron. So just imagine how heavy this is. And then this, like the front side of it, it's covered in leather so that literally when arrows that were on fire hit the, sh- the shield, it wouldn't catch the wooden shield on fire. Like it was covered in leather. That is the image that Paul has in his mind. In the audience that Paul was talking about or talking to, they knew the, a- the danger of flaming arrows. There was a great way to attack from a long way. Think about how missiles are so important to us today. Like we can just attack somebody and not even have to be right there where they are. That's where arrows were in ancient warfare. So Paul is saying that the impact of the arrows, and these arrows, they are coming and they will come. Like you will be attacked and you won't see it coming. Like these arrows that that are coming, that impact that they have, they can be minimized when we prepare. So what are the flaming arrows that Paul is talking about? Ancient church fathers, um, they agree, they wrote that the flaming arrows that the devil uses against believers, they're not real arrows. That's what they concluded to. Um, But instead, they are evil thoughts that enter into our minds. Think about the lies that the enemy uses to get us to react to our flesh. Think about that thought to lust that thought of lying, that thought of making yourself look better in front of your friends by making someone else look small, that thought to be jealous, that thought to make others jealous. The list could go on and on all night of just the small ways the enemy puts thoughts in our mind to attack. But faith, again, is confidence and trust in Jesus and what he did for us and now who we are because of that, that we are now a new creation. It's believing the truth of Jesus over the lies of the enemy. That's what faith is. It's believing our new identity in Jesus, believing that we are new, that the old is gone, and that we don't have to go back to that old life and the old sin, but we can surrender to Jesus, and we can actually be holy, and we can actually be righteous. This is what it means to have faith. It's trusting that Jesus is who he says he is, and that what he says about us is true too. The next thing that Paul talks about is salvation. He says, put on the helmet of salvation. This refers not only to being saved whenever you die and you get to go to heaven. Like that's true about salvation. Like what does it mean to be saved? It means we are saved from the wrath of God. But it's also talking about the here and now realities of heaven. Like heaven or salvation is not just something we get to look forward to, although it is that. But what Paul is talking about is also the here and now realities of salvation. As people who have been made alive with Jesus, we can now experience his resurrection and his exaltation. And we have been delivered from the evil powers. And now we can actually participate with Jesus against or in his power and authority and take over him. So our new identity of being with and living like Jesus should give us hope and confidence in the future. But it also connects us to the here and now real source of deliverance. 
What that means is that God, he fights for us. It is God who has the power. We get our strength from God. He fights the enemy for us, but then he gives us the power and the authority where we are right now to also fight and to resist the devil. That's one of the benefits of the here and now part of the salvation. Putting on salvation, it's realizing our new identity in Jesus, which gives us power over supernatural enemies because of our connection with Jesus. And there's so much more that happens with putting on the, the here and now part of salvation. We think that salvation is a place of paradise. We think that's where we're going to have peace. That's where we're going to have happiness. Like we just have to just grunt through. We just have to get through life. And then one day we're just going to be in paradise. Part of that's true. Jesus said there's going to be suffering on earth. But Jesus also promised that in heaven, like have, you can experience that now. Like, you don't have to wait to die to experience what God has for you. The life of peace, the life of, of, of joy, true joy ex- coming out of you. You don't have to wait. You can experience that now by surrendering even more to Jesus. And then the last piece of armor that Paul talks about is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God, it's a defensive weapon, but it's also an offensive weapon. Like this is one of the weapons that we can use to also fight against the enemy. And you might be thinking like, how is it both? Like just think about how a sword is used when you watch like a Jackie Chan movie or something. Wait, never mind, he doesn't use swords. Um, Johnny Karate, I don't know. Um, imagine a, a, a movie where they're having a sword fight, Peter Pan, Star Wars. Like you use your sword or your lightsaber to block the other one, right? So that's how it's defensive. But you can also use the same sword to stab or slice someone's throat, right? That's how, like, think about a sword. A sword is defensive and a sword is offensive. Like, you can cut someone's arm off, but you also block in the other dude's sword. No, no, you wouldn't. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is talking about... Jesus says the word of God, but it's also talking about the word of God written in the Bible. Um, it's offensive whenever we tell others about the good news of Jesus. And this goes back to being ready with the gospel of peace. Speaking the gospel, telling people about Jesus, it frees people from the life of sin and slavery if they choose to believe it. And like we said earlier, like that's taking the fight to the enemy. That's us taking back ground from the enemy. That's the uh, offensive part. It's preaching the gospel. It's telling others about Jesus. It's like, like if someone asks you, like, why is your life changed? Why do you have so much peace? Man, let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus came in my life. He, he changed me. And he can do the same thing for you. That's using it offensively. But it's also used defensively. Whenever we read and we internalize it, we can use it to believe the truth over the, lo- the lies. Think about the flaming arrows again. Think about how the devil, he, he, he gets us to fall into temptation by lies. The Bible is defensive whenever we read it and we know who God is and we know what he wants us to do. And we're able to say, no, I'm not going to believe that lie because the Bible says this. I'm not going to go down that path because God doesn't want that for me. That's how it's defensive. And, and Jesus, he gives us a great example of that. Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4, he was tempted by the, Satan himself. And Jesus won temptation by literally quoting the Bible back to the devil. And the devil's like, do this. He's like, no, because the Bible says this. That's how we defeat temptation. Like, that's how we defeat the enemy. We believe the truth of Scripture over the lies that he's trying to get us to believe in our flesh. 
So reading and believing and living and memorizing and speaking God's word are all key parts of our new identity in Jesus in spiritual warfare. It's so important to read that. I feel like I've said this so much during this series, but it's so important to get into God's word and to get it into you. Because this is how we know who God is. And this is how we know, like, what does God want for us? What is God like? How do we live the life he's calling us to live? How do we do this? How do I defend, how do I defeat this temptation? It's in the word of God. It's all there. The God, he wants to speak through us. He preserved it for thousands of years so that we can know him and know what he's asking us to do. And then the final thing that Paul says is prayer. Prayer is the thing that holds everything together. This is not part of the, the spirit or this isn't part of the, the armor of God, but this is something different. Paul is saying that this is what holds all of it together. Prayer is the main thing. Prayer is the glue. He says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all of the saints. This is not just a piece of the armor. This is the whole thing. Prayer is how we depend on Jesus and how we ask him for his power. It's how we ask him for his truth. It's how we ask him for his righteousness. It's how we ask him to help us get ready for the gospel peace. It's how prayer is how we depend on Jesus. And that is the main thing. Prayer is how we ask God for help. Prayer is how we ask God for things. Like, Jesus, I need this thing. God, I need that truck. God, I need this money. God, I need that job so that we can glorify him with our life. Prayer is how we give our worries over to God. Like, you don't just think, God, take this away from me. Like, you say, God, here's my worries. God, I'm anxious about this. God, I'm anxious about traffic this morning. God, I'm anxious about failing that test. God, here's all my anxieties. Prayer is giving our worries to God. Prayer is how we hear God's voice. And prayer is how we become more like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is standing next to us. He's nudging us who we should pray for and what we should pray for and how we should pray. And now, just this isn't part of the message, but just to clarify, praying in the Spirit, that's not just praying in tongues. A lot of people think like, hey, Paul says, like you need to pray in tongues all the time. Praying in tongues is praying in the Spirit. But praying in the Spirit is not just praying in the tongues, if that makes sense. It's being guided and directed by the Holy Spirit on who to pray and how to pray and when to pray. Prayer is how we show our dependence on Jesus and how we receive His power. And the purpose of prayer, the purpose of the armor of God, the purpose of all this is so that we can resist the attacks and lies and temptations from the enemy that whenever the enemy, he says, go back to that old life. Go do the thing that you were doing before. Go do the thing that you were doing before Jesus found you. That that, the life that you were living that was in brokenness and in pain, that you think you were having fun, but you really weren't. The temptation, he says, go back to that. The, The message is that we can resist and so that we can be empowered to complete the mission that God has for us in the church by spreading the good news of Jesus to everybody. And that's Paul's message to the Ephesians. You don't have to go back to the old life. You don't have to be dead anymore. But you can be made new by the power of God, not by yourself. If the band will go ahead and come back. I said it before. I've read the verse already. You are chosen. 
If you're under the sound of my voice tonight, God has plans for you. God has chosen you. God has formed you. We, we read that earlier. Like before you were even created, like while you're being knitted together in your mother's womb, God knew who you were. He knew who your personality was going to be like. He knew your eye color. He knew what you were going to be thinking. He knows you. He formed you. He knows you better right now than any friend knows you. I would even say that God knows you better than you know yourself. But on your own, you cannot get to God. On your own, you can't save yourself. On your own, life is not going to be the way that you want it to be. But God, who is rich in mercy, he made a way. Because Jesus went to the cross for us. Because he died the death that we deserved. And he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. God now freely adopts you into his family. And because of that, when we come to Jesus, and we fall on the mercy, we fall on his grace, and we confess and we repent, we find redemption, and we find freedom from sin. And we can find peace with God, and we can find peace with each other. We are no longer dead in our sins and separated from God, but now you are truly made alive. Every piece of armor that we talked about is now a piece of your new identity in Christ. Because of what Jesus did, whenever we come to him, our lives now should look different. So to say no to your old life, when that enemy comes, when that temptation comes, when that lie comes, when Paul says the fiery airs, whenever they come, say no to that old life, the one that was broken, the one where you thought that you were living, but instead you were really dead, leave that behind tonight and do not go back to that. So tonight, right now, wherever you are, decide that you will leave that behind and that you will rely on God to transform you more to be like Jesus every single day. There's no head bowed and there's no eye closed. That's the call. That's the action step. It's that wherever you find yourself, don't go back to that old life. Don't go back to that place where you thought you were living, but you were dead. Instead, say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus tonight. Say yes to Jesus when you get home. Rely on his strength to be able to resist the enemy. Rely on his strength to be transformed from the inside out. It's not a matter of how hard you try. It's not a matter of how many minutes you spend in the Bible or praying. It's a matter of saying yes to Jesus and saying no to the lies of the enemy. So tonight, I'm going to ask everyone, go ahead and stand up. The worship team, they're about to lead us in another song. I want you to come to the front of the stage, to the altar. If you want to once and for all leave your old life behind and submit to God for his transformation. Like this is basically an altar call. Like if you, like you've been saved, yes. Maybe you raise your hand, yes. But if you find yourself, you feel like you've said yes to your old life more than once, you feel like that temptation to go back to old life is there, if you want to once and for all leave that behind, if you want to once and for all stop being dead, if you want to once and for all stop being a slave to sin, you want to find freedom, you want to find forgiveness, you want to finally be made new, and you want to rely on God's transforming power every single day, then I want you to come to the front and ask 
God for his strength. Ask God for his forgiveness. Come and repent. Come and come, come near to him. And God says he will come near to you. So in a minute, I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, that is your chance to come up to the front. Don't think about what your friend's going to do or what they're going to think if you do. Come to the front and say no to that life. And once and for all, say yes to Jesus. Jesus, we thank you.